Amen. What awesome songs singing there. Thank you all so, so much for doing that. Uh, just absolutely beautiful. You all sounded great as well. I can hear you all singing. <laughs> um, so I am seriously so honored, so thankful to be here. Uh, it's just the best. Knowing around this time each year, hopefully Pop will ask me again. I usually get a text at the beginning of January. Hey, it's just about that time again. What do you think? And I, I love it. It just absolutely thrills me. Uh, I was so excited to tell Chloe whenever Papa texted me and said, what do you think? So uh, I would consider myself somewhat of a virtual member of Bear Creek Baptist Church. I, uh, I try to watch just about every single week that uh, Papa posts uh, and says, here's what we talked about this past week. So, uh, so, so honored to be his grandson and to be able to have conversations about church and about all how everything goes. So uh, super honored to be here. And so also just a little life update like Papa had talked about last time I was here. I was just engaged the time before that. I was just really wanting to date this girl who sat back there with her mom as she came after I invited her. Uh, but now we're married. So this is Chloe Treadaway here. And then we have, I'll just announce the other family members who are here Jackson and his girlfriend Bristol, Lucas and his fiance Allie, and then Chloe's parents, Rusty and Connie. So I'm so glad that y'all are here. Yeah, I got them my hand. So, so thankful to be there. And then also the past uh, three years that I've been here now, I've been in different stages of life. So the very first time I came here, I was just a student at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth. Uh, the second time I was here, I was a full-time worker loading trucks at the CVS Distribution Center, trying to get enough money so that we could get married and all that stuff. And so now, I'm even more in a different circumstance, and I'm full-time in ministry at Vertical Church. I'm the youth director over there, so uh, we have just a great time over there now. Uh, we just had an event, Disciple Now. We had like 57 students, 30 volunteers helping out with all that stuff, so so excited to see how God is working there. I just want to let you all know, like, God is working here in this community. Lives are being changed. People are uh, changing their ways. And so it's, it's really encouraging to see that in a time where things very much look very dark and, and dim. Uh, so I do want to let you all know that this next generation that we're responsible for raising is being raised in truth, and they're taking steps in that way. So uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started with what we have for today. All right, you'll join me in prayer. Dear God, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to uh, bring the word to these people here at Bear Creek. Uh, God, I ask that your word would be magnified, that you would be magnified, that people would be uh, convicted in their hearts of the truth. Uh, people would recognize where they have not been walking in truth, and they would walk in truth. Uh, and God, I pray that... Um, they would see Christ for who Christ is, not just the ideas of Christ, but who Jesus as the human Savior Jesus is. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so last, I have my own five-year type plan. Uh, so whenever Papa told me this, I figured, well, I guess I'll try to match him in that. So last time we were here, we looked at Colossians 1. So this time we'll look at Colossians 2. And next time, Colossians 3. And the time after that, Colossians 4. And then we'll be done with the book. And we'll see where the next plan is after the year 5. So, um, we're continuing. This is a Papa-type thing here. Continuing in the completeness 
of Christ through Colossians. Lots of C's there. I know Papa likes to do that stuff. Um, So we're going to just recap a little bit from chapter 1 and then move into chapter 2. So starting in verse 10 of Colossians chapter 1. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience when long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Recognize that it says he has qualified us. We have not qualified ourselves and we are not up to the standard that he is requiring. So verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And then verse 15 and 16, it says he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So he is the image of the invisible God and there's nothing that exists that's outside of his realm. There's nothing that is Uh, taking over in the land or is going about in the land that's not under his realm, under his authority. We must recognize the sovereignty of God and his hand in, in our lives and in the nation and in our communities. We must recognize those things as we walk in truth. As we read the scriptures, we must understand that truth. So let's look at verse 24 and then, uh, verse 24 through 29, then we'll look at Colossians chapter 2. So verse 24, it says, I now rejoice in my sufferings but, uh, for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from, uh, from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So that right there is our life to Christ now. It's our service as Christians is to live this life of what we lack in the flesh. We use Christ's strength. He fills us. And then we now are able to be a minister to all those around us. And it's because of what Christ has done. And we are to present every man perfect or mature in Christ. That's our role as Christians. So now we get into chapter two. Now that we kind of understand more of what Paul was getting at here in chapter 1. Let's look at chapter 2. We'll read the first uh, six, seven verses here. So it says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So the main point that we want to take out of this section right here is to walk in Christ as we have received him. Walk in Christ as we have received him. So uh, another thing that we just need to look at, uh, verse 4, uh, it says, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. He's, he, just before this, is talking about the riches of knowledge and wisdom is found only in Jesus. And he says, we must know this. We must understand that they're hidden and it's only revealed by God. So he's saying, know this as a truth so that people don't come along and try to deceive you, try to tell you otherwise. Know this in faith. Know this and have faith that this is true about God, that all riches, it says, uh, all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, know that that's where all riches, knowledge, and wisdom is found and is in him. She's kind of addressing this idea that a lot of people have, and it's the fear of missing out. It's the fear of missing out on what someone else might have to offer. They don't know, if, is what I have really all that I need, or do I need other things? That's like a part of the original sin. You see that in Adam and Eve. God tells them, you have everything. You can eat of everything here, and the serpent's like, hmm, but you don't really have what God has. This tree right here will give you the true knowledge that you're missing out on. You don't really have everything. You, you might, God may have told you you're complete, but look, I have this to offer you. You can take this as well. So they had that fear of missing out, and they act on it. And it sends the, all of creation into a spiral of sin. Uh, it's the same thing of the people of Israel. While they're wandering around, they're complaining and saying like, who even knows if this really is where we're supposed to be going? Like, we're supposed to trust Moses because God told him this, but I'd rather be a slave back in Egypt. I think I'm missing out on, on, on things that may be there for me because I'm not where, I, where, I, where God says I should be now, you know? Uh, and then it's the same thing for the people in the world today who sell out to the world. They're afraid that they may miss out on what something has to offer, on what, what the world has to offer. They're not entirely satisfied. They don't recognize the completeness of salvation. They don't see that God has made you entirely complete and in him, so they fear missing out, and they sell out to this world. So we see that, and so we must rest in faith that God is working all things together for our good, right? That's Romans eight twenty-eight to 30, all right? That's the first uh, other verse we're going to look at right here. Uh, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, those he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. 
So we have to understand the very first part of that verse. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. We must understand that as a truth by faith. You may not feel that way. You may not, uh, it may not logically look that way. But we must understand that so that we're not deceived. We're not taken away from this trajectory that God has set us on. Okay? So that's what like this main section is talking about. Paul's saying, walk in the way that you received him. Walk in the way that you were convicted by your sins. And you realized you were not walking in truth. Now you walk in truth. Okay? Walk in that way. Don't walk in the way of other people trying to deceive you, saying you don't have everything that you think you have, or you don't, you, you're believing falsehoods, all that stuff. Don't be deceived in that way, but know that this is where true knowledge and wisdom is. So let's look on, Paul expounds more on this in these next couple verses. Let's look at verse 8 and 9, it says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of Godhead bodily. So don't let anyone deceive you, like it talks about in verse 4. He, he talks more about this right here. Uh, don't let anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Don't let people try to persuade you based on maybe even reason or logic. Right now, there's a, in the culture... Uh, you hear of what postmodernism is, and it's this idea that truth is subjective, that there's uh, truth is based on how you feel, or it's based on where you stand. That's another thing. It's standpoint epistemology. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's truth based on your view of the situation. Uh, is that me with the mic, or is there something? Okay, all right. Um, so standpoint epistemology and this postmodern, it's a philosophy. It's this idea that truth may be whatever you want it to be. Truth may be, if it offends you, well, then it can't be truth because it's taking away from my joy or something like that. You know, that's, that's what's going on in the culture. And so that's a way that the, the, the world is trying to cheat us through philosophy, through empty deceit is another thing that it says here. Uh, it's, it's this way where people are trying to talk you out of walking in truth, trying to talk you out of this assurance of understanding. Uh, they're saying, hey, maybe you don't have everything. Maybe you're missing out in some ways. You're living this rigid lifestyle because you say Christ called you to it, but that's not even truth. That's a literal argument in these days. So we must beware, like it says in verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you. That's something that people are actively doing right now. It's not like, oh, maybe one day you might come into one situation where this happens. But no, this is an active thing. People are always going to be tugging at you, tugging your attention. Whether this is in politics, whether this is in philosophy, whether this is in uh, just all sorts of, it, like another thing it says, basic principles of the world, just in, in fleshly desires. Uh, it says if it's not according to Christ, then what are you doing with it, basically? Not, it's not, this is not just a philosophical religion, like where, oh, we have the right answers, now let's just go on. But we have to understand who Christ was, because it says right here, verse 9, it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So not just this idea of Christ, but we must recognize and understand that God sent his son, the person Jesus, 
for our sakes, right? To die on our behalf. So we, we have to recognize that as the source of truth, the source of knowledge and wisdom, and understand that we're not being cheated whenever other people may pitch this idea of, hey, maybe there's something else out there. We have to understand and stand firm in the word. We have to understand and stand firm in what God has called us to. Uh, and if we don't do that, we won't be walking as we have received him, which goes back to the first point, walk as we have received Jesus, right? And so this is not according to what you have to say as who Jesus is, but according to who Christ is, not just according to whatever uh, ideas or traditions, like it talks about the traditions of men. We don't just follow the traditions of Christianity, but we genuinely follow Christ as who he is depicted in the Bible, as who we have seen him be for people in the lives of our communities. That's why it's so important to have communities that we can share in how Christ has worked in our lives and how, other pe- how Christ has worked in other people's lives. Uh, so let's continue on verse 10. Uh, and we're going to talk here for just a little bit uh, till verse 15, okay? So it says, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Just underline that verse right there. It's, it's amazing. You're complete in him who's the head of all principality and power. Uh, just to keep going on that verse, Ephesians 1, verse 20 and 21, uh, it says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that, is what, that which is to come. So we've been seated in that seat as well. It's not just a seat that's above a small area, but this is a seat above every power, every principality, everything that's out there. We now are complete in him. That's who we are complete in. So let's look at verse 11 through 15. It says, in him, in that seat, in Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So that's a lot of stuff that just went on right there. I know y'all just talked about baptism last week. So hopefully the gears are turning and you're making the correlations here. Verse 12, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, who raised Christ from the dead physically. Now we spiritually are raised from the dead. Verse 13, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them so this is a victory that we now stand in with christ in him and again this is not just some small victory but this is over every power every principality and it said he made a spectacle of them he made it like you think this is huge look i'm going to defeat not only this earthly stuff but i'm going to defeat death death entirely 
this thing that everyone has to encounter, I will defeat and I will be raised again on, uh, against all of that. And he's made it a public spectacle. So, again, going with our second point, we must receive and walk in him, not according to us, but according to who he is as Christ. That's who he is as Christ. The one who's came, died, and saved us, rescued us from our sins. We are now complete in him who is the head of all things, right? So uh, there's now no lack on our account. There is now no uh, debt that we have to pay back. But it says he's made us alive, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way. He has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. I'm telling you, you can't read that verse enough to not get fired up. It will fire you up every time if you're really understanding what's happening. He's wiped away the requirements, and we now identify with him in the heavenlies. That's what baptism is about. That's what, we talk, that's what Papa talked about this past week, baptism, being identified with Christ. We have now died to our old self, so we've been raised again. We are now new creations. That's what baptism is a picture of. It's a picture of these truths right here that we now have no hand, handwritings of requirements against us. We now are alive in Christ, and we now walk in the way in which we receive him. So uh, verse 16 through 19 is what we're going to look at next, all right? Um, verse 16 it says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regard, regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. Underline this part right here. It says, but the substance is of Christ. The substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up, and, uh, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So again, that's a nice section of text that's super powerful, uh, that's very just will fire you up as a Christian. Uh, but the main part to take out of all this is let the substance be Christ. The substance of our faith is not in what we do, it's not just in what we believe, but it's in Christ. What, why we believe is because of Christ. Again, not just the traditions, not just the ideas, but the actual person, Christ. So um, we have to understand that this, this right here is explaining how Christians have been made free, okay? Galatians 5, verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So we've been made free now in Christ. That's what we just see, all of this stuff right here. And it says, let no one judge you in food or in drink or all of these things. Sometimes people become Christians and then instantly upon saying, I'm free, they submit themselves to a yoke of slavery. That's what Galatians 5.1 says. Uh, they put themselves back under the law. They are made free based on Christ's sacrifice. And then they feel like, man, what a great sacrifice. I have to atone for all my sins. What in the world? That doesn't make any sense because we just saw Christ atones for your sins. 
Now we are made free. We're made alive in him and not slaves, but we're slaves to Christ, which his yoke is easy. His burden is light. That's what it talks about in Matthew. So uh, we have to let the substance be Christ alone. And that all that's all. Not uh, let the substance be Christ and whatever else you can muster up and all these things. Um, and this other part back uh, at the end of this, it says, uh, verse 18, let no one cheat you of your reward. This is Paul for the third time mentioning this. Let no one cheat you of this. Uh, don't let anyone draw you aside uh, with uh, people who delight in false humility or worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen or vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Don't let people draw you aside based on their traditions or things of this earth. Now it says, not, uh, and those that are not holding fast to the head. So let's just take a second to look at what does this mean, holding fast to the head, whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Okay, so we see in chapter one, uh, Paul talks about Christ being the head of the church. He is the one who nourishes the church. We are connected to the head, so we have nourishment, right? We're all, we all play different parts in the church. We're a church body, and not the whole body is not just one hand, but there's different parts to it. So we must be connected to Christ, which is the head, so that we may be nourished, okay? We see this, Jesus specifically talks about this type of analogy in John chapter 15, Whenever he's talking about the vine, okay? So John chapter 15, let's look at verse 1 through 8. If you flip there in your Bible, it'll probably be up on screen as well. John 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, underline that part, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me, the substance of Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Paul is specifically talking about this type of life. A life that's connected to the true vine. Not just a branch that's out on its own, because that branch will not bear fruit. That branch has to be connected to the vine, and that's how we see the church must be connected to the head, which is Christ. The substance is Christ. That's the third point. Let the substance be Christ. Uh, and then this next part, verse 20 through 23, all right? Uh, it says, therefore, as Papa would say, when you see a therefore, stop and see what it's there for. It's a classic Papa line, and it's great because it's so true. So, therefore, because of all of these things that happen, okay, all of these things that we just talked about, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, 
Why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So, with the therefore, he just sets up this point of like this right here. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, this right here is a sentence that you cannot deny. If you are saying, hey, I'm a Christian, I've died with Christ, I've been baptized, all these things, I have been a new creation, but you're subjecting yourself to all these things of the world, Paul is calling that out right here. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Why are you putting yourself back under all of these things? Why are you submitting yourself again to a yoke of slavery, like we talked about earlier? So we have to See, these are some people do this and they're putting themselves back under the law. The law in which they were freed from, the law in which Christ came to completely fulfill, we put ourselves back under that law. And he's saying, if you've died with Christ from the basic principles of this world, why are we still doing that? Why are we still submitting ourselves to a yoke of slavery? You're putting yourselves under the law and you're not walking in the Spirit. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5, okay? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 is the very first couple of verses we're going to look at. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, this is Paul talking. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. All right, so just for a second, let's look at this right here. It's saying, walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. At the end of verse 23, Colossians 2, it says, um, all these things that, that people are submitting themselves again to, it says, are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. They're of no value of walking in the Spirit, but instead, they really just indulge in the flesh more. You're not fighting against, you're not, going opposed, which this is, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. They're opposed. They're going opposite ways. So all of these things that you're submitting yourselves to do not help you to walk in the Spirit. They, they are instead heaping up more laws and more guilt and more stress and all of these things that almost turn to resentment against Christ eventually, okay? Uh, so let's look at verse 5, uh, or chapter 5, 23 and through 26 of Galatians 5, okay? So it says, against such there is no law. That's him talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, he just went through the list and is saying, this is what the Spirit will produce in you whenever you truly submit your life to Christ. It says, against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So we just look at uh, these things are not of value against the indulgence of the flesh. Now we're looking here, it says, against such there are no laws. Those who are Christ have been crucified, or they have crucified the flesh, okay? 
So we're submitting ourselves again to this law. At times we do this as Christians. We've been set free, but then we're deceived by people and things of this world and the enemy attacking us, saying you ought to submit again to all of your sins. Oh, now you have to atone for these sins that you've committed because Christ really wasn't enough. You know, sometimes we get into that mindset, that thinking of that, all lies from the enemy. But we have to see that uh, we must crucify the flesh first. Okay, so whenever we crucify the flesh uh, and we are identifying with Christ in his burial and, and baptism, right, then we are walking in the Spirit. That's whenever we uh, truly produce the fruit of the Spirit, and we're now walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust, the lust of the flesh. This will help us. Whenever we understand that idea of being baptized and raised again, we'll now not subject ourselves to the things of this world. We'll not subject ourselves to the basic principles of the world, saying, oh, I can't do this, I should do this, I have to do this, I don't do that. Now at that time, you're limiting uh, God's work in your life, and you're trying to take everything into your own hands. You're trying to muster up enough desire to do the things of Christ on your own strength instead of realizing what Christ has done for us. Whenever we get in this mindset, we have to go back to verse 14 of just chapter 2. It says, Having wiped out the handwritings of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. We must remind ourselves of these truths right here that say we now have nothing against us because of Christ's sacrifice. Because of the person Christ, we now have nothing against us, but we walk in that freedom. We now walk in the Spirit. And that's producing the fruit of the Spirit in us. That is what will make us not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so really, you have to go back to these four points uh, that Paul is talking about here in Colossians 2. We must walk in him as we have received him. We must, uh, and it has to be not according to us, but according to who God is, who the Savior is. And then we have to let the substance of our life be Christ. We have to let what we do be totally out of the Spirit and out of Christ's doing. And so now we don't live under the law, but we walk in the Spirit, right? So um, one last couple points. Um, through all of this stuff, we are truly made new creations upon um, repentance and belief. That is our justification. That's when you're instantly justified in the eyes of God. At that point, you have identified with Christ his sacrifice is on your account. There is now nothing between you and God but Jesus' blood. That is justification. So now we are called to walk in the Spirit as Christians after having crucified the flesh. And that is the process of sanctification, of growth, being more transformed into the image of Christ. Not conformed to the world, but transformed to the image of Christ. That's sanctification. And one day, whenever we either rise again after death, or whenever we're taken up with him, that will be our glorification. And that's all because of Christ's blood that was shed for us. So that's Christ alone who completes us. It's not what we do that completes us. And after he's completed us, 
we now act out of abundance. We now act out of overflow. We no longer act out of this duty and desire of, oh no, I must do all of these things, but we overflow the spirit that is in us. So uh, I'm going to pray, and then I think we have another song of worship, correct? Yeah. All right. So you all join me in prayer. God, thank you so much for the work of who the person Christ is. God, we thank you so much for uh, the sacrifice on our account. God, uh, I pray that uh, we here would walk in the Spirit. I pray that we would understand who Christ is, what truth is, and that we would walk according to how we have received Him. We would walk not according to what we believe is Jesus, but to who Jesus is. I pray that the substance of our life would be Christ, and I pray that we would not live under the law, but that we would walk in the Spirit. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. It's a great message and a great uh, lesson comparing religion versus romance. You know, really, sometimes people say, you know, it's not, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, but it's much more than just a relationship. It's a romance. We love the Lord. And uh, religion is all that do this, do that, do this, do that, uh, putting ourselves under all these regulations and everything, the romance sets us free to love. John Bunyan, the writer of Pilgrim's Progress, uh, talked about this very thing. He says, uh, the law says, run, John, run. The law commands but it gives us neither feet nor hands. A better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what Colossians 2 is saying to us too. Is that God wants us to be free to fly. Free to fly in Jesus. Not structured around religion but free to love Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you for the message. Do you know Jesus? Are you trying to please him by your own efforts? Are you like a branch out here all by itself, trying to bear fruit? can never do it unless you're connected to the vine. But if you're connected to the vine, you can't help but bear fruit. That's what vines do. They produce fruit fruit because the life of the vine is in the branch if you're not a Christian would you come to trust Jesus today thank you for listening to today's podcast we invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org if you're not a member of another church We would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.